If you recall back to your high school days, and if you're anything like I was, you probably remember a queasy feeling in your stomach when raising your hand to answer a question or offer your thoughts. You also probably have a pretty good idea why you felt that way. From a social science perspective, we'd say it's probably because most high school classrooms are psychologically unsafe environments. And the thing is, those same cues that make you feel uncomfortable in your English class transfer to the workplace and can hinder performance, creativity, and job satisfaction. However, there are things we can all do to make things a little bit less like high school. I'm Jose Espinoza. I'm Nicholas Bremner. And you're listening to Mind Your Work. A podcast about social science and work and what happens when you put these things together. If you think back to a situation where you had a good idea, but you were reluctant to express it because you weren't really sure how it would be received, and this is really about being fearful of the environment you're in. This is a a psychologically unsafe environment. Psychological safety is just really about being unapologetically you and trusting that the people around you won't judge you for bringing your full self to work. They won't judge you for expressing your ideas. They won't judge you for trying something and failing the first time, and letting you learn from it. And when researchers started thinking about psychological safety, they considered it to be a major part of exactly that, learning. And they talked about it in the context of work as being really important for organizations trying to encourage a culture about learning and change and adapting to the workplace. They also suggested it might be really important to keep employees engaged, feeling like they want to be at work and that they can actually fulfill parts of themselves by the work that they do. So research on psychological safety started back in the 60s, but a recent evidence summary of the psych safety literature by Science for Work suggests that psychological safety research didn't really come into the mainstream until work by Google put it there. Google did research on about 180 of its most high-performing teams and found that psychological safety was the most important characteristic. But does psych safety matter outside of Google? Recently, in 2017, we just received a report that combined the results of studies using over 22,000 participants, and the results say, yes, psych safety matters a lot. Psychologically safe environments tend to unleash people. They're more likely to engage in what we call information sharing, which is voicing your ideas, uh, learning behaviors, which is engaging in a project in a way that's kind of risky and you might fail, but you're going to learn from it at the end of the day. People also tend to help each other more. They engage in what are called citizenship behaviors, and they're generally more creative. And this translates also into higher work engagement and higher task performance as well. So we know in a broad sense that psychological safety is really important for work engagement and task performance, but it might even be more crucial when we're talking about environments where the outcomes are really high stakes, industries like aviation and healthcare. You can imagine that in something like the aviation industry, it becomes really important to make sure that we're all following the same procedures every time, that we have the ability and we feel comfortable speaking up when we notice that maybe things are not working as intended. Particularly, we're talking about situations where the outcomes could mean someone's life is in the balance. There's also evidence to suggest that psychological safety is is incredibly important in uh, environments where individuals are prone to errors. It, it's actually great for error reduction. And it's particularly important in situations like healthcare where there isn't necessarily always a, a clear procedure for treating a patient, especially with more complex surgeries that all team members feel comfortable to speak up when 
you know, something they're monitoring is, is not going quite correctly. But what are some of the things that you can do to foster a psychologically safe work environment? We're going to talk about that after the break. So when considering how to improve the psychological safety of the workplace, the research generally suggests that we can do things at three levels in the workplace. We can talk about what the organization can do, what leaders can do, and ultimately what employees themselves can do to establish psychologically safe environments. At the highest level, organizations can do things like design work certain ways. They can try to create work that makes it so teams are interdependent on each other, so they have to rely on each other to perform well and that they have some amount of autonomy in the way that they accomplish work. It makes people feel like they're experts in their own fields, that they can be confident in the things that they do because they are given a certain amount of leash, basically. They're given some free reign to accomplish work the way that they want to. Organizations can also try to establish cultural norms by having policies that are trying to drive psychologically safe environments. These policies are the kinds of policies that talk about inclusivity and diversity, and explicitly tell employees that the organization cares about making sure that everyone feels respected and feels like they are valuable contributors to the organization as part of their workforce. But psychological safety is something that really happens at the level of the team. And any action that an organization takes isn't really going to make a difference unless managers or leaders and teams themselves bring this concept to life by living out those cultural values and norms. So in order to foster a psychologically safe work environment, leaders can really start by setting the stage for uh, an inclusive and accepting culture by making sure that employees know that it's okay to fail, it's okay to try new things. They can also encourage employees to participate actively by reaching out to specific people who may be a little more quiet and encouraging them to express their thoughts. And then also moderating other individuals' reactions. So if someone suggests an idea and the team has the, the impulse to ridicule that person or, or make fun of that idea, really emphasizing that that is not okay and that kind of behavior is not acceptable. And I think it's hard to overstate how important leaders can be to establish in psychologically safe environments in small teams that work closely together. As an example, and when it comes to doing research, I work with a few of my colleagues and my research advisor. In that environment where our research advisor has much more experience and frankly has quite a lot of power in terms of how the conversation can move, it's really important that leaders in that kind of situation make sure that regardless of educational background, experience, or other markers such as being minorities or, or people of different genders are all going to be things that are going to be disregarded when it comes to sharing ideas and trying to solve the problem at hand. And it's important to emphasize that just because someone may not have official authority, they may not have leadership status on a team, that doesn't mean that they can't play their own role in creating a psychologically safe work environment as well. Psychological safety is something that everyone has a responsibility to create. And if you lead by example as a team member, it's more likely that others will follow suit as well. So this is not homework, but we'd like you to think about two domains across your life of any kind. It could be about how you interact with friends, or it could be at work, or it could be anything else. And we want you to identify one where you feel really psychologically safe, an environment in which you feel you can say your opinions and share your thoughts without fear of being judged or retaliation, where it's okay to try new things. 
And then we want you to think about another one where you feel psychologically unsafe, where you're less likely to take these kinds of risks. What we'd like you to do is try to compare these two environments and think about what are the things in one that you could bring into the other. So when you're in that psychologically unsafe environment, you now have some ideas about what are the cues that might help you feel more psychologically safe and engage in those slightly risky behaviors like sharing your ideas and sharing your opinion. Okay, so we're going to cap off this episode by having a little discussion and and sharing some of our personal experiences um, that we've had in psychologically safe and psychologically unsafe environments. And one example I thought that would be kind of interesting to bring up for this episode is I recently started doing an improv class. I just had my second week last week, last Tuesday, and it is definitely (laughs) a a terrifying experience. (laughs) I'm not the kind of person to... Uh, normally like take risks or get out of my shell, especially around a group of strangers. And this class, there's about, I think, 15 people in my class. And I guess one factor that we didn't really discuss too much that has to do with psychological safety is the kind of stuff you're doing, like your actual tasks. And in improv, you do some really humiliating stuff. I mean, (laughs) the very first exercise we did is um, the embodiment of a fool. And so our instructor got in the middle of this group of people that we there's 15 of us all standing in a circle in the room and he asked us to define what a fool is and you know we we spit out a few words like someone who's not afraid to you know be crazy or, or wild and he's like okay perfect and he's like here's my fool and he gets in the middle of the circle and he just starts going crazy like laughing maniacally and jumping around and we're all like complete strangers looking at each other like, oh, okay, all right, so that that was intense. And then he looks at us and goes, okay, now it's your turn. And <laughs> okay, wow. So we we had to come up with our own rendition of The Fool, and like everyone has this pit in their stomach. But, you know, in any other environment, this would not fly. But because there is this kind of diffusion of responsibility or diffusion of of accountability, I guess, because we were all doing it at once, like we didn't have to go in the circle alone and do it. Everyone else on the same playing field, he just very, very quickly established that it is okay to do this because you're all doing this and this is what you're here for. And do you think that set the tone? It sounds like the instructor went by themselves and did it. And that seemed to have set the tone for everybody else to feel like when we're all doing this at once, it's fine because if that person could do it by themselves. We could do it as a group. Yeah, he, he modeled that behavior um, up front, which takes a lot of courage. And I mean, to create a psychologically safe environment and, and go against the norms, um, like if you think about the norm you're starting with, there's a bunch of strangers in a room who basically have the, the general objective of, of doing improv for various reasons. And to take that kind of very, I guess, cold social situation and turn it into one of like warmth and acceptance by jumping in a circle and acting like a wild person is very, very difficult to do. So in a work environment, if you have a team that is psychologically unsafe, coming in as a leader and establishing that norm as well, is it takes courage and it takes a lot of work. But what I was really impressed by in, in my improv class is that our instructor just jumped right in and he really encouraged us to kind of build rapport with one another. Encouraged, we, we start off by doing a meditation um, he encourages us to make eye contact with each other after the meditation. And so it's, he, 
he's getting us to do these very like interpersonally kind of uncomfortable things. Like eye contact is not something that is easy to hold with a stranger because eye contact carries a lot of, of meaning behind it. But he forces us kind of like gradually out of our comfort zones and we're all kind of on the same level and he establishes these ground rules about what is what is safe to do. And, you know, it, improv is really, it, it's all about encouraging failure. And there's this uh, philosophy in improv called yes and. And it basically means that you take whatever is given to you in improv, you accept it, and then you build on it. So you're never saying no, you're never rejecting someone's idea or their action. You're cultivating this culture of positivity and building, which I find very liberating and also very fascinating. One of the things that we just talked about was the idea of bringing something from one domain into the other. Do you see something that could easily be applied from this domain where psychological safety was clearly established into the workplace or any of the other things that you do? Yeah, I I definitely think that there are ways to carry this over. How you react to someone's idea, whether you say, yes, it's a great idea, and I think we could do this, or, well, that idea is okay, but that reaction is going to have a, a profound impact on whether that person is going to speak up again or not. And it could be maybe an idea that's not practical, but you can still probably find some good in that idea and kind of react to that person with, with tact and grace. In terms of how improv is structured, really it's about kind of just rolling with what you're given and then accepting it and finding a way to adapt to it. And it's also it's also about learning from your own mistakes. So in improv, it's like you're given really difficult situations and you're going to fail, but it's like you have to lean into that failure and you have to just kind of do it and push through it. Because if you if you don't if you half commit to something and you do it kind of sheepishly and then kind of back away it is way more awkward than just leaning into that failure or leaning into your misinterpretation of a situation or, or whatever. And I think those skills can carry over to a work environment in the sense that um, we're oftentimes operating in situations that have a lot of ambiguity. Sometimes you you may make a decision and it's wrong, but if you learn from that decision and you 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 move forward rather than continuing to look back or or have regrets about the decision you made, um, it's going to hold you back from performing well in the future. But if you learn from it, um, and you take those learnings with you forward and you kind of like shamelessly proceed into the future, you're going to be a much better performer. And people are going to see that and I think respect you for it as well. For my own example, I'm going to be talking about something maybe within the, the same domain. I used to play in, in music and in a lot of bands for a while. And one of the things that happens quickly when you get together and do something so intensely creative and something so intensely about sharing part of yourself, not just your ideas as creating music, is that you develop a, a really psychologically safe environment quickly if you're going to stay together as a collaborative endeavor in any way. That comes up to a, a real interesting situation when you get the opportunity to go and record somewhere where there are going to be other people that are now part of this creative situation. And one of the things that made it really difficult for us transitioning as a garage band, right? You practice by yourself, you write this music, and now you're going to go record somewhere else, is having other people now share their input and you have to deal with how to cope and and shift and modify something that you spent so much time as a group together on in a way that is respectful of the expertise that other people are bringing in. Interesting. So you worked with your band and you had this this dynamic that was, you know, really clearly established and then you add new people to the situation and how did you find that 
kind of changed your workflow or changed how you interact with each other? Did it change it? Were you, were you able to maintain that same dynamic or was it challenging? I don't know what the experience of the others in, in the bands that I played in were, but my experience was that the dynamic was never the same. The dynamic gets automatically shifted as soon as another person enters the, the arrangement, the creative arrangement. But I could tell that there were situations and we got the opportunity to record a few different times for a few different projects. And it was very clear when someone would come in and they established that it was fine for all of us to share more ideas that sometimes contradicted what maybe the established norm would be. So usually we would do this kind of thing with this song or we would do this kind of process. And it was okay and much more fun and much more interesting when the producer was able to kind of establish early on that it's okay to disagree with that because we're all going to be working on this thing together. And that made that process a lot more enjoyable. Um, And I think, again, I'm trying to call back to the stuff we talked about, the leadership environment where leaders might be coming in as external forces into teams that are highly cohesive and have been working together for a long time and might be a little reluctant to let someone else in. So that's the kind of thing that I think we could translate from this domain to the workplace where it's, if you're the external leader coming in, just make sure that you understand that there might be an established set of ways that things are done here. And coming in into this situation, you're going to want to make sure you establish an environment that is psychologically safe in the sense that it's okay to sometimes push back onto my ideas. It's okay to say that that's not usually how we do things, so long as there's an understanding that we're working together to improve the process or improve the product. Yeah, and I think this really highlights the importance of like the in-group, out-group distinction. When you've been working together for a long time, you see yourself as part of an in-group. And if you have an individual come in who who may be a new, a new leader or a new manager, a really closely knit team is going to initially see that person as part of the out-group because they haven't established that level of trust yet. They haven't established that rapport. And as a new leader, you, you might be perceived as uh, a member of the out-group. And this really kind of highlights the importance of being vulnerable to help build that trust and build that rapport. And when you can do that, that's going to kind of retain the, the psychologically safe environment in the group. Because like you said, Jose, when you, when you add a new member, especially if it's, if it's someone in a position of authority, it could actually shut down that climate of psychological safety, at least temporarily, until that person is integrated into the group and trusted. And that's all we have for you on psych safety for now. Please reach out to us via email at mindyourworkpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear your feedback. And one of the things that we want to point out is that today's topic was actually a suggestion from a listener. So please make sure you reach out to us with ideas of what you want to hear about or even comments on the things that we've said throughout the podcast. Yeah. And if you have some really good examples of of psychologically safe or psychologically unsafe environments, we'd love to hear about that as well. Um, You can reach out to us on Twitter at mindyourwork.io. I'm Jose. I'm Nicholas. And we'll see you soon. A podcast about social science and work and what happens when you put these things together. Yeah, we got it. Oh, I got it right. I, you should have seen my face while I was doing that. I was like, podcast about two things that I'm trying to remember right now. Don't say two the things word that I two. do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>